So both of those songs are sort of typical of songs that might be on the radio. Actually, Baby, I'm Yours is less typical because most songs on the radio have so much pain in them. Um, love songs on the radio I'm talking about, in particular, love songs. And um, it's not, it shouldn't be surprising to us. I sang it at weddings for many, many, many years. It was a big way that I made um, my living as a musician. And um, people would come to me with these songs and say, I want this at my wedding, and I would say, have you actually looked at the lyrics? Because so many of what we call love songs are about, you know, uh, hang on when all the good is gone. If they're about, oh, I'll come back to you every time you leave me. <laughs> about standing by someone no matter what they do to you. Um, about, as Sam Cooke said, you don't even know I exist, but somehow I love you. I know you well enough to love you even those kinds of songs out there, which is indicative of our culture and its um, obsession, kind of, with romantic love, with falling in love. And the Greeks had a word for that. It was eros, passionate sexual love, in, in, uh, infatuation. And it was immature. It was considered to be quite immature and dangerous. The Greeks did not worship Eros. The Greeks were kind of afraid of Eros because they knew that that kind of love was a false love, and at best, a temporary love. Well, at real best, a temporary love that at some point might morph into a different kind of love. But so often, it does not because it feeds us messages that simply aren't true. It feeds us emotional messages that don't have substance to follow up behind them. So this is a love that includes perfection. She doesn't know I exist, but I'm in love with her. Well, that means that I am in love with my image of her that I made up in my head and put on her face. And maybe her face and her body because that really attracts me a lot. So I also know I'm not a shallow person. I want somebody who's a really good person. So since I'm really attracted to this person, they must be a good person. Therefore, I'm in love. I gotta tell you, y'all, my first marriage was that I married somebody's, I married an image of somebody that wasn't who that person was. And actually, he did a pretty good job of shattering the image before we ever got married. But my next step after the image was shattered was to go, I can fix this. I will make this person be what I want him to be, what I need him to be. And you know what? That ain't right. It ain't right at all. And so a lot of our pain in romantic love is that we choose someone based upon no real information. And when we get the information, we either don't like it and we run away, or it fizzles out, or we immediately go into fix mode. The Greeks talked about standing in love. And that is pragma. It means the love that doesn't knock you down. It doesn't make you fall head over heels, but allows you to stand and be strong. And that kind of love can certainly happen between romantic couples. And it does over the years often. It comes down to that. But um, often it doesn't. Often it doesn't. Eros is based in, 
in physical chemistry. So you make the image, you fall in love with the image, and then when they turn out to not be your image, you feel betrayed. You're not who I decided you were. <laughs> Which is really what we mean when we say, you're not the person I thought you were. It's like, yeah, you're not the person that I made up in my head. And so the only way to not fall in that kind of love is to keep our eyes open. Yeah, that chemistry feels real good, y'all. I'm not so old, I've forgotten that. God knows. The chemistry feels really good. And it's okay, there's nothing wrong with it, as long as we don't mistake it for something that it's not. We can enjoy the chemistry, and then we can keep our eyes and our ears open. We can listen and look for who the person is, and then we can listen and look to our own hearts and see, is this, does this work? Is this compatible? It's interesting to me that, um, well, that pragma, I like to think it focuses on process instead of outcome. Like, Eros is, I'm attracted to you, I've got to have you, and I will make up whatever kinds of things in my head to make me feel okay about how insistent I am on having you, and then insistent I am on denying what's in front of me in order to keep believing what I want to believe, and then in manipulating <laughs> what I can no longer deny to try to make it what I need it to be, there is that, there, it, it's, it's, it causes a twisting of who we are to hold on to that past its first um, flash. But when we stand in love and we listen, it doesn't mean we won't be hurt. It doesn't mean we won't go, well, that's not who I thought you were. But if we are listening and paying attention, it's not about um, you betrayed me because that's not who I thought you were. It's about I'm hanging around to get enough information to decide if this is a relationship worth pursuing. And y'all, this is true of friendships as well as romantic partners. You ever know somebody that you really, really liked and you want to hang around with them all the time when you first met him? Like, this is the coolest person I can't believe I, we just clicked like this. And then the more you hang around them, the more uncomfortable you get because there are things like, oh, well, I didn't know that her, I didn't know she thought this or that she did that or that she was involved in this or that she, he, whatever. Oh, I'm offended by the language that he uses. I don't like how he talks about certain groups of people and you like them less and less the more you know them. That happens in life. I always consider it an amazing gift when I meet somebody and I really like them and as I get to know them, my admiration for them increases because I find out more and more respectable, esteemable, wonderful, thoughtful things about them rather than finding out the ways that they may hide and try to act respectable and esteemable. And that's just life, y'all. It's not even about judgment. It's about discernment. It's about going, does this match with me? Because if it matches with me, then it's a relationship that is worth standing in.
And if it doesn't match with me, then I have to ask the question, is it a relationship that doesn't match with me, but gee, that's okay. He likes golf, I like reading. On the days he goes to play golf with his buddies, I'm gonna get me a new book. You know, that kind of not matching is not a problem. It's only a problem if some insecurity from that false kind of love, from that Eros love says, if he goes out with his friends, it means he's betrayed me, he doesn't love me enough. That's where jealousy comes from. That's where all of those things that tear us up inside and tear our relationships up come from, is that we want to insist on seeing another person as who we want them to be, rather than being open to see who they are. In other words, Eros, Eros jumps to the conclusion we're in love. This is going to be a romantic bubble that I'm going to get to live in for eternity. And Pragma says, oh, here's an interesting thing. I'm going to stand here and take some deep breaths. You know, get excited if I want to, but understand that my excitement doesn't mean forever. My excitement means this is interesting. I'm going to gather more information. I'm going to get in a little closer. And as I get a little closer, I might let that person in a little closer. And we get to know each other. And we are discerning the whole time. Is this going to work? And is it worth it? Is it if, it, if it's going to be too much work to make it work, is it worth it? And I remember, you know, there's so many books out there that say marriage is about work. It's about hard work. Marriage is hard work. Well, I tell you what, marriage is hard work. But marriage is not about hard work, in my opinion. If it is too hard, you don't need it. <laughs> I know ministers are supposed to say, stay married until death do you part, or beyond death, or whatever. But it's interesting, even as a person who does weddings, there's so much different language, and I have to be careful with the people that I talk to. Do you want to vow to someone that you will stay together till death do you part no matter what? No matter if there's abuse? No matter if some really important hidden information comes to light? Maybe, maybe so. Maybe, maybe not. Or how about through eternity? Well, if you're going to go on to a life after this one, you could maybe say that, but you don't know what the life after this one is like if there is one. So how do you know? How can you make a promise that you're going to do that? Or for as long as love shall last. That's one that I've used before for people who really understand that as long as we are good for each other, as long as my being in your presence helps to make you a better person and your being in my presence helps to make me a better person, then let's keep doing this. And it's not because, you know, that marriage is a sacrament. It's because when you dig one deep hole rather than a bunch of shallow holes, you get challenged in ways you don't get challenged in any other way. I can't tell you how many people I've known in recovery who've been in recovery for years working a strong 12-step program. And then they get into, or they start dating somebody and they're like, boom, it's like, 
like I never learned any of this stuff. Because relationships cause us to confront what's within us. So, I want to say a word about arranged marriage, which is not something I ever want to do or believe in, but which I read a lot about, and it's amazing how often it works. And I think the reason it works for some people, and it only works if both people are, um, are being honest and are going into it for the right reasons, but if you get two people who seem to be able to get along, like they have similar backgrounds and they have the same goals in life, and they're willing to say, this is the person that I'm going to do this with. And both of them have both feet in. And there's no abuse. Then amazing love can happen. I've read so many love stories about people who didn't even know each other when they first got together. But after 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they have a bond that's just unbreakable. And so what that tells me, and what I know in my heart too, is that love is a choice. When you fall in love, that's not a choice, that's something that happens to you. That is something that your, the chemicals in your body subject you to. When you stand in love, that's your choice. You stand and you say, yep, at least today, one more day, I'm in it. Now tomorrow, there may be a pair of underwear on the floor that's just my last straw, and I'm just gone. <laughs> or whatever your thing is. I'm trying to be humorous, and it's really hard to know if I'm humorous because I'm talking to a camera and not to any people. So that probably wasn't funny, but how would I know? Oh, thank you. So, um, so it's this idea of um, a choice every day. You get up in the morning and you say, yeah, this person is not perfect. Yeah, buzz the you know what out of me sometimes. Do I choose this person? Because what I also know is that I'm supported by this person, is that I am in a place, and I'm just gonna use my own situation, where I understand that this person is now my family. Even if I wanted to get rid of them, I just don't even know how. We are family. And I get to choose, and I can choose to do that and complain the whole time, or I can choose to do that in gratitude. And if I were not with another person, and I know this is, this is a reason that I didn't do this romantic love on Valentine's Day, which is next week, because I don't believe it's the most important love. Our culture would tell us so, the movies and the songs would tell us so, but I don't believe at all that it's the most important love. I think you can have a really happy and fulfilling life without experiencing these loves. You can't have a happy and fulfilling life without experiencing love. And there are certain things you can learn from partnership that you, you just don't get challenged to learn any other way. So I understand that some of you are not with a partner. I also stand, understand that some of you who are not with a partner have not decided that that's a never thing that you might be again. And so one of the reasons that it's important to talk about this is to be able to say that falling in love feels great, but if you find yourself falling in love, I invite you to take a deep breath and stand there. 
with open eyes and look around. And if the falling was all there was, then say thank you and goodbye when the joy is gone. And if there's more than the falling, if after you get up from the fall, you find you can stand. Or if you suddenly realize that someone who has been standing near you all of this time is someone with whom you might want to make a life or some kind of partnership. That you stand in that truth, that you stand in that love. Now, the third kind of love I was talking about today, there's Prama, the long-standing, the ongoing. There's Eros, the passionate, the sexual, the attraction, basically. And then there's Ludus, which is a playful enjoyment of one another. And that can happen in romantic relationships, in marriage relationships, in relationships between um, sisters and brothers, and mothers and daughters, and fathers and daughters, and people just going out dancing on the dance floor. That's the, I love to dance. That's the joy that comes in our hearts when we embrace the people in our lives who are not necessarily the people that we're gonna depend on or live with or forge huge bonds with, but we see them and our heart is delighted and we wanna hug them and love them. It's a playful love. It can be a deep love too. But there's a playfulness involved in that as well. And I say, when I said before that if marriage is only work, man, if you can't find some fun in it, don't do it. That's what I say. It's enough work that if you can't find the fun and the joy in it, what's the point? What's the point? And you know what Jesus said about marriage? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Um, the truth about marriage as it is today, is that it was created as a political construct, as a way for um, us to get clear about who owed what taxes. <laughs> it's not even that marriage itself is not even that old um, when you look at human history. It's a way, uh, and for years, in the time of the Bible, both the Hebrew Bible and the Christian Bible, for many years, it was a contract that a male person who, because of the culture, was allowed to earn money and own things, made a contract with a female person who wasn't allowed to have money or earn money or own things to be under the protection of that male. And I don't know why I'm going into all this, but just to tell you that take it all a little more lightly, as serious as it is, Take it all a little more lightly. The thing is, what does your heart tell you? Once the chemicals have cleared, what does your heart tell you? And we're going to go into all the other kinds of love too, but I just want to say, give and take, up and down, available, not pushing, Going beyond, but not always. Willing to struggle, but it shouldn't all be struggle. It's not feeding neediness. Love, no kind of love, is about feeding neediness, about me needing you to feed my neediness, 
or me pushing or you pulling at me so that I can feed your neediness. That's not love, that's need. And that's enabling. And that almost always relies on dishonesty and manipulation. Love is speaking truth without judgment. Looking at the truth. And mutual regard. If we are to love anyone ever, and I'm not talking just about partnership, we must have an absolute belief in the indomitability of the other's innate personhood. You do not exist just in relation to me. You exist as a whole being. And I don't exist just in relation to you. I exist as a whole being. And if we come together, it is the choice of two whole beings choosing to come together in mutual reliance plus healthy self-reliance. There's the what's in it for me. There's also the what's in it from me. But more than those, how do we complement each other? How can my strengths make up for your weaknesses and vice versa? These are things we look for in friendships. These are things that get settled in families, whether anybody calls it that or not. But the last thing I want to leave you with is never forget that if you feel falling, if you feel needy, I invite you to stand up and to know that every need that you have can be filled by you, by God in you, by love in you, by your higher self. And once you fill that need, everything else is simply a choice. And there are no wrong choices, just different consequences and different lessons learned. Thank you. I love you. So we're just going to take that into a very short meditation. So just breathe. And now as you breathe, relax. Your forehead is wrinkled up, try to let it go. your eyes and your jaw and your mouth, your neck, your shoulders. the love. 
as I see that love reflected back at me. Thank you. 